0: Welcome to the more exemplary podcast, a study in joyful living. I'm your host, Nick Bogner, a marriage and family therapist practicing in Pasadena, California. In this podcast, I'm talking to some of my favorite professionals, both inside and outside the world of therapy to learn how they cultivate happiness by accessing their own joy and enriching the lives of others. Thanks for coming along for the ride. I'm so glad you're with us. For this week's episode, I spoke with Holly Anderson, Holly is a kick-ass therapist in Kansas City, Missouri, who specializes in working with highly competent and successful women in business. Like myself, Holly is fond of looking into the different bullshit rules that people are expected to follow in order to knock them over and sweep them away. Holly shared with me some of the work she does with her clients, as well as the story of how her career started. The sound quality is a little rough, but I hope you enjoy what she had to say as much as I did. Holly Anderson, good to see you. How are you?
1: good. I'm doing good. Good to see you too.
0: Thank you. For those of you who may be listening, Holly and I are joined via telephone and Skype. So that will explain the uh, the audio quality here, um, but it's worth it. It's worth it to make it through the audio quality to get to talk to Holly today.
1: Oop, oop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Holly, the, the subject of our conversation and this podcast in general is uh, how to lead a happier and more contented life. And I feel like if I talk to enough people that I really like and respect, then we're going to be able to assemble sort of a treasure map um, to leading a more mostly contented lifestyle. So I wanted to ask you, what is your piece of the map? How do you, how do you help people lead a more exemplary life?
1: Yeah, like uh, when you sent me the questions, I've been thinking on this and, you know, I was thinking about how asking people what makes them joyful also like brings up suffering a lot. And I was thinking, like, you know, as a therapist, like, what do I do to help people find that desire or want or wish? And I think a lot of it is, like, not being afraid of the dark. Tell me more. Well, you know, I think, like, a lot of times with difficult emotions are, you know, stories in our past or just, you know, trauma. You know, there's so much fear around those really scary dark things and I feel like my clients inspire me as they work through their things and to just kind of like you know face the dark you know like what's under your bed kind of stuff Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and um so yeah so I feel like that is like the one thing that I've realized because I started becoming a therapist like pretty early in life like I was like early 20s like I didn't I didn't know anything.
2: (laughs) I'm like I should pay
1: you to be here to listen to me (laughs) um but I I feel like everyone needs someone to hold space like just like literally a space to just explore dark stuff that that makes you that impacts you and so I feel like doing that work myself in my own therapy and then with clients and then in my friendships like really good relationships like we're not afraid to talk about the hard, dark things
2: mm-hmm. with each
1: other. And it makes it hard sometimes. It's definitely difficult and heavy. and But it's so rewarding because I feel like that's when we, you know, always think about Brene Brown's work, you know, when you shine light in the dark. I mean, that's what we do with shame. We, we talk about it. We shine light on it. So then we work through it. And it's a little less scary, a little less... Um, it fools us a little less uh, to listen to it. Yeah. So. Well, let me. Yeah.
0: Add, I was talking with uh, with Jen Fredette, who uh, who we both know, a couple of days ago. Yeah. And this one of the subjects that we were talking about was sort of bullshit rules that people follow. Um,
2: that
0: oh. To. and so when you're when you're describing this sort of um, being afraid of the dark. I'm imagining that monster that we think is under the bed that, you know, hopefully a loving parent comes and pretends to spray away with monster spray. So my question for you, as a therapist in practice, um, who works with, uh, with high powered women, what is the, what is the, the most common boogeyman that you see that we are terribly afraid of that we need not be afraid of?
1: Oh, that you got to have all your shit together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I think that we are all so afraid to be really seen as human and as messy. And as we level up, we're like, oh, oh no, like, what will they think that, you know, I'm doing the best I can and just making my best educated guess about this call? Yeah. You know, and it's like uh this idea that people expect perfection from you. And that's really a projection of how we expect projection from ourselves. Oh, yeah. You know? So.
0: And obviously I can't speak to this personally, but I feel like what I hear over and over again is that we expect extra perfection from women across a variety of platforms and, and pieces of their lives. Has that been your experience?
1: Oh, yeah. Like I think uh, for women, it's like in our culture with looks and, and uh, expectations, even being like nurturing, like heaven forbid you'd be aggressive <laughs> <laughs> and have and have some anger, you know? You I mean, are me just something. like a, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think especially for people of, uh, for just like women in marginalized groups as well, like, you know, it's hard to be anything than docile and helpful. Sure. So.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember years ago in a previous career, long before I had done my own work and a lot of the learning that I've done subsequently, I had a, I had a meeting um, with someone who began to cry and it kind mm-hmm. of played out like that scene from ET um, where he meets Drew Barrymore and she screams and then he screams and they run away from each other as fast as they can. Like, like uh, just a, a person ill-equipped to deal with another person's sadness, you know? Yes. You can't yes, see Go okay. ahead.
1: Please. Yes, I just agree. Like, I think, like, um, like I was thinking, it makes me think of this story of, like, uh, my brother and I sometimes will do Enneagram workshops -hmm. And he was so funny because he's like, Yeah, when he started like getting deep, I like wanted to lean out and there you are leaning in. (laughs) That was like, oh, that's just training kicking in. Like that's Mm -hmm. just lean in when you when you don't understand, when you don't know. But it is really scary because it's like, "Ah, we all want to run away.
0: Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that we have to sort of that we have to sort of work through and work around being therapists, right? Is that ultimately that's the direction you learn to go towards in order to get to the good stuff
1: yeah and even as like humans in relationships like i feel like i learned that lesson again and again, uh like in my own friendships or my own relationships you know it's just like um like avoiding it is helpful in the moment in a nice like comfort but it like does me no favors long run
0: Right. Yeah. It's definitely, it's like uh, going to the grocery store and buying one thing. You're going to have to go <laughs> back to the grocery store <laughs> and get all your groceries at once. I know yeah. super, super uh, inept analogies. So hopefully they'll be the first of many that I give you. <laughs>
1: no, no, it's true. It's
0: so oh. true off topic a little bit here. I'm curious because um, people who are listening may not know this if you're not in our field, but having somebody that comes to therapy as their first career is a really rare thing. Like you don't meet a lot of people who get into it in their 20s. So can I ask you, how did yeah. you you wanted to do this thing without having a whole other career ahead of it like most of us do?
1: Oh, I feel like some of it was like my own naivety. Like, <laughs> like I had this idealized version of a therapist in my head. Like, What 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 I would do is I would just listen to people all day and have great conversations, which is the part of the job. But I think I wasn't quite realizing like how much this field calls me to be a healthier person. Yeah. Oh yeah. mm Hmm. Again and again, and like you know, it's like, and I feel challenged a lot. Like this. That's why this job. You know, not just hearing pain, but like this job is heavy because of. Like, I have to do my own work.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, God, God really does, but you ought to be, right?
1: Yes, yeah. Like, so I guess for me, like, a lot of it was just trying to figure myself out in my early 20s of, like, why am I this way? And, and kind of just feeling, like, curious. Um, and then I feel like I just also have had, like, a natural instinct to be, like, a joiner and a listener um, growing up uh I was a pastor's kid, so I like watch that all the time. Sometimes and you know, not always the healthiest form of that, but um I think I think just connection has been like this core value in my life from like okay. a really young age. And I feel like therapy felt like a natural uh extension of that. Like I've always enjoyed forming relationships and knowing people and so um I I I feel like everyone I ever meet as a client, I'm just so fascinated by. I just think they're like, I'm so curious about them. You know, I'm like, wow, you're so cool. Let me learn about you. You know, like that's always, I feel like a part of this for me that called me to this. You know.
0: And I feel like clients are, are often taken by surprise. Like I, I'll, I'll meet a new client and they'll say, well, this is just all really boring stuff. And it's like, no, 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 give me more of it. Tell me more about that, you know, that thing. The good stuff, the bad stuff. I want all the details. Tell me about it, every member of your family.
1: Yes, exactly. I'm like, okay, so like, where were you when this happened? And like, tell me, you know, what it, were you sitting down? Like, I just, I just want to imagine it with them and yeah. like be in it with them. And to kind of help understand what that experience was like. And so I think also too like it therapy kinda of grew me up as like becoming a young therapist. Like I had to kinda of grow up. Like all the all the the stuff I didn't want to do, I had to kinda of do. So I guess I kind of looked at the looked at the dark. And in my program they made us as a part of it, which I'm so thankful, was being our own therapy. So I felt like I as I was it was kind of that like as I was doing that, they were doing that. And so it was kind of like a parallel process. But um, yeah, it's funny. I always had anxiety about being the like, looking uh, like too young, you know, like the imposter PC. the then, you know. I remember I used to like Uber dress up just to be like, I look smart. Yes. Yes,
2: absolutely.
1: Yes, yes. I even, I I think that's why I like wear my glasses more. I was like, these make me look older. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You got to wear right down on the end of your nose right there. And the yeah. you just, like, pop can chew on the end of it. Right. Isn't that what that, like what thoughtful people do like academics? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And therapists wear like ponchos and like, you know, <laughs> big chunky necklaces. And yeah, like, I don't yeah. know. I was oh, trying hey. to be a therapist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> therapist jewelry. Somebody is going to be a millionaire just starting a jewelry store for therapists. That's all like super ornate like gold and turquoise, chunky jewelry. And yeah, I always thought I was going to be that person that dressed up like like a crazy person or you know, just wore button downs all the time, even though I hated that. And then I started doing it and I started wearing this exact outfit that I'm wearing right now, which is a black t-shirt and jeans. And God help me, I think I've worn a black t-shirt and jeans at every session I've ever done in my entire career. And I even had a supervisor that said, you might want to think about dressing up more than that. And I was like, yeah, thought about it. But, you know, like in in keeping with our topic, this is what makes me happy. And this is what makes me contented. And this is what makes me happy to go to work and not uncomfortable in my own clothes. And so I feel like I'm one of the things I love about this career is that I'm allowed to have that. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Wearing clothes that I hate and I'm uncomfortable in what message am I sending to people about like, how much you can advocate for yourself?
1: Exactly. Like, I feel like when I finally got over trying to be this certain person, And just with myself, I felt like, you know, there is a shift in that, you know, I wear like I wear black a lot too. Just like I just have a uniform. I just wear like the same thing because it's comfortable. And then I you know, when I got my when I had pierced my nose, and I had some other like, self expression stuff, like tattoos and things like that. And I had so much anxiety of like, you know, I was working with kids at the time. So I was like, what are these parents gonna think, you know, and but after time, I just realized that like the biggest gift I can give to others is being comfortable in the space that I provide because right. then I am being my true, authentic self. Which I'm like, you know, it's such a hypocrite to be like, "Be yourself," but I'm gonna fake this role, um, which think I think like
0: where I pretend to be a therapist, right?
1: Yes, which I think is like leads to that imposter piece, which I think happens in like all careers. So like, you know, uh, for women in business, and I think for you know. Um, one thing I'm seeing is this expectation that we have to be what we think we're supposed to be, you know, uh, for women, for these, you know, for young therapists. Um, yeah. There. Most often
0: women, also, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's definitely a big, like, cultural message we all buy into. Yeah. Uh, in that way.
0: Well, so. so how do you help people break free from that message? Because it's powerful. It comes from all angles, it's decades or centuries old. Yeah. Like, how do you help people with that? Uh,
1: Well, I feel like, uh, you know, my, I feel like the biggest piece that I've learned in all of this, if I could like summarize like two major things was, you know, becoming more mindful and just like aware, just aware that I'm like buying into this message, you know, like, and even aware that I'm thinking these thoughts about this, you know, and noticing my own, maybe anxiety in my body where like my heart is racing or, you know, just noticing myself around these things and how I'm, what I'm wanting to do. Uh, So I feel like mindfulness is kind of like the entry point of all insight (laughs) in in my own experience in my own life. And then I think the other piece is just kind of some of the uh, shame resiliency stuff that I've learned through like Brene Brown is like really using a lot of self-compassion. This idea that like no one no one it, it's it's universally human to struggle and yeah. like the the moment that i accept that it really helps undo that tension you know and get back into myself my body and just try to try to manage manage the moment as best as i can yeah so yeah i love that yeah thanks yeah i uh i think it it's hard to have a different relationship with ourselves. And so um, I think for me, the mindfulness helps me watch and notice that and self-compassion has helped me uh, like be really kind to myself, which is such a a foreign idea.
0: Right. Yeah. It's definitely not prescribed by society at large. There's definitely like a, there's definitely like a message that you need to get back out there and you need to be earning and you know buy some of the stuff you know which you buy stuff as much as the next person Uh, I just don't like to feel bad about it or to feel or for it to be motivated by feeling bad Um, but there's this thing that like the moment you let up and you feel happy then you are really fucking up
1: yes like I totally feel like that is something that it's like if I'm too kind to myself, then it all falls apart. What? Like, there's so many scarcity messages. Like, if I enjoy my life, if I don't work as hard, if I put boundaries, like, you know, and still work really hard within my boundaries, or, you know, uh, I'm kind to myself, all of a sudden I don't give a shit about what I look like. <laughs> like, that's like not true. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's
0: like you're moving two inches in this direction, and the idea is that the whole pendulum will swing and then suddenly you'll be in this horrible chaotic mess that you can't come out of.
1: Yeah. And it's like fear culture. You know, it's again, like this idea of like, we're so scared to, to turn and face that, like just to see like, can I tolerate what this would even bring?
2: Yeah. You
1: know? Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of mind boggling that we all collectively buy into this.
0: Yeah, how do we learn that? Where do where do you think we learn that from?
1: Uh, you know, I mean, I feel like I grew up with parents who were like, you know, I I don't know if it's like generational, political, cultural, societal stuff all at the same time, but mm-hmm. like, you know, I I felt like I watched my parents struggle. I watched them struggle financially. I watched them uh, you know, just struggle as as humans trying to figure out uh what they want and and I feel like the message was like to be a good valuable person you need to not have boundaries or ask for what you need or you know so some of these core messages uh I think were in my family and then I think like I rarely I rarely look around and be like oh wow they're really doing it different you know yeah
0: <laughs> yeah I felt like I had a little of that too. And I, and you know, no, I don't have any ill will towards the Catholic church that I was raised in, but I felt like there was a message in there that like, that like you're supposed to lead a life of service and it's supposed to kind of hurt a little bit up to and including even like the, you know, the icon of it or the, the mascot of it is a, is a person dying um, bleeding to death on a cross. Right. And so there was kind of this notion of like, we do wonderful things and you know, I saw people do wonderful things, but also, you know, just so you know, this is going to sting on a pretty consistent basis. And it's been revelation to me to learn as an adult that in fact you can actually, you know, you can actually feed the homeless with a smile on your face. You know, you can actually help take care of other people and enjoy yourself and also afford chunky jewelry and, you know, feel good about yourself (laughs) even being imperfect, you
1: know? Yeah. It's it's like in this idea of like in the dichotomy or in the juxtaposed things that, you know, you can remain is kind of what I even hear you saying in that. And, you know, I think that's even true of, um, gosh, I had a thought and I lost it. But basically, like, um, life is going to be full of suffering. It's kind of, I feel like there there is pain. But we don't have, I feel like we don't have to buy in that we have to get pain or suffering Mm. to make a meaningful life. You know, because there is this message that like, you know, that you must suffer, you must like hustle, you must, you must sweat, you must, you know, just be in pain. And I don't think that is true.
0: I, I see people not being in pain. And I, yeah. increasingly, I'm not in pain. And so I'm just thinking maybe that we could write a new playbook, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's the new story around, like, you don't have to suffer or be in pain to have a fulfilling life. Uh, and sometimes that suffering is like we add it to ourselves with, like, you know, not knowing uh, what we want, what we need, or what we can't do.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a retread of a question I asked you earlier. So what is the most common thing that people think they can't do that they can do? Like the thing where people walk in and say, I absolutely am not capable of this thing, um, but 100% they are or are almost definitely likely to be able to.
1: Gosh, I think like almost everything. (laughs) Um, I think like, uh, do I need to be – do I have to stay in this relationship? Do I – do I – have to stay in this job that makes me unhappy? Do I have to allow someone to treat me this way to stay in connection? Um, You know, it's like, it's almost revolutionary to think that you could actually do what you want.
0: (laughs) Yeah. For yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Or that there's more out there than what you can see. You know, I had, I attended a talk a couple years ago from a therapist and I'm going to really fuck this up, but he made a demonstration and it was like, he sort of made a pie chart and he goes, okay, this is everything that is. This is the part that we know we know. This is the part that we know we don't know. And then all of this is the part that we don't know that we don't know. And so I I think about that with clients. I talk about that a lot. Like there's so much that you don't know you don't know. There's so many possible outcomes and opportunities that you cannot possibly envision in this moment. Um, And yet you are married to one of the ones that you can envision and you're married to the shitty one like you're not even saying well i'll definitely win the lottery it's definitely that you're going to be homeless um in fact both of those things are probably equally likely
1: yeah yeah well and i think that's where i'm like oh it goes back to like fear because like you know i mean why do we choose the darkest hardest narrative in those moments and some of that is like maybe that's our conditioning of what we should expect but also at the same time like i don't know i'm just like been revolutionized to just kind of think like like (laughs) i don't know lately in my life where it's just like screw fear like i'm just like blow it up just see what happens what's the (sighs) worst that could happen you're gonna be okay you know like like i feel like the more i work on myself and and and, in some of these things i realize that like I'm not an impulsive person. I'm actually like too cautious. And so like, oh yeah. So like being able to be more risky, I think that actually happens developmentally. You know, you get some stuff, you feel a little more grounded, you know, you have the things that maybe your family didn't have, or you've done something of success. I think I see this in people who are definitely successful or professionals that have risen above or gotten out of like certain, you know, economic statuses. And there's this piece of like, oh no, can I still be a risk taker? When I had, when I had nothing, when I was younger, like I was like, Oh, I'll sell everything and drive my car across country. No big deal. And like, now it's like, do I, do I want to risk this? Yeah. It's like, you almost have to like, it's like you work so hard to get something and then you're too attached to it. You know?
0: and somehow and we don't the, the lesson that that that's taken me forever to learn and that i see people consistently not learning is that i did this once and so i can do it again and it's like yeah. people claw their way up and they earn all of this wonderful stuff and they build a life that they like and there's no notion of like this is definitely evidence that i could do this again it's like totally. i did this once and if i let it fall apart then that's it
1: yes yes it's like i am tied to this one thing that i did when it's like um, what, I, what I feel like I've really realized is that like successful people, like as i just like I know fascinated by like women in business or people in general that are like just really successful and fulfilled in life, as I watch they have this ability to like um, to, to allow themselves to be bored and like do it again and again and again, but then they're also not scared. So it's like such an interesting combination of like fearlessness and like consistency. It's
0: yeah. like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you, you, you have recently moved your office to a new city. Is that correct? That is correct. Where are you located these days?
1: I am in Brookside, KC Mo.
0: Brookside, Kansas City. Missouri. <laughs> I want to be the first person to report this so that people that are listening to this want to get one of those sweet new slots can, uh, can get in there and work with you. Tell me yeah, a little so about this practice that you're building in, in Kansas City, Missouri.
1: Well, I am. Uh, I am working on uh, my practice and building it, and you know, I just feel really passionate about working with women in business. Women, uh, really like kind of not just entrepreneurs, but also women who have been like in a business management where it's in like kind of CEO positions. Yeah. just kind of that that difficulty of again like can I be a human, the imposter feelings, uh, you know, the anxiety, gosh, we being so successful, you've had to have some anxiety to hustle, but then also like that can also ruin your satisfaction of all the things that you've gotten, you know? And so really kind of working on some of those things that come up for the women that I work with. And then, you know, I also am um, uh, trained in emotionally focused therapy with couples. So I also do a lot of that work and then uh, and this kind of connects, with working with the women that I work with, but Brene Brown's work in shame resiliency. So just kind of like a lot of the themes that we're talking about is this kind of work I like to do.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. I'm jealous of these people that are going to get to see you in Missouri. Wow. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Well, so Holly, any parting tips, um, anything that remains unsaid, anything that you want to tell the world? Do you have a platform here? There may be as many as a dozen people that hear this. <laughs> hopefully more than that but uh, what would you like to tell people about leading their best life or their fullest life
1: don't be afraid of the boogeyman it's not real
0: right on <laughs> i'm right with you well, yeah thank you so much for joining me on the cast today
1: yeah thanks for inviting me
0: That's it for this episode of the More Exemplary podcast. If you'd like to have a question answered on the More Exemplary podcast, please send an email to moreexemplary at gmail.com. If you're interested in transforming your life, whether it's romantically, professionally, historically, or any other way through psychotherapy, please visit me at www.nickbognertherapy.com. If you love this podcast, please tell all your friends about it. And if you don't have any friends, then please tell some strangers about it in a not creepy way subscribing and leaving positive reviews helps me to be able to make more episodes of this podcast. And if you're still listening at this point, then I suspect you've fallen asleep with your earbuds in. Sleep well, and I can't wait to join you for the next episode of the More Exemplary Podcast.